Welcome to Homework, the podcast by and for people who work from home. I am your host, Dave Kahlo. This is episode number 266 with special guest Joe Bulick. Uh, big thanks to Headspace for sponsoring the show this week. We'll hear more about them in a bit. Now, if you like the show, you can support us on Patreon, where you'll have early access to each episode, bonus content, the opportunity to listen along live every week, plus lots more. That's at patreon.com slash homework podcast. You can also join our Discord, where you can chat with like-minded homeworkers and more. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Additionally, you can reach us by email at heyhomewardpodcast at gmail.com. We read and respond to every message. So now uh, let's get started. Harry, how are you doing? I am good. Uh, it's been a long week, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, the long week is coming to an end, so we can celebrate Friday because time has no meaning anymore. <clears throat> there are two things I look forward to every every week. Uh, the first yes. is Dungeons and Dragons, and the second is WandaVision. And that, that's how I keep track of the days. Well, it's as good as any. Um, we have a special guest this week, and I'm very, very excited about, like I said in the intro, uh, Joe Bulick is here. But before we talk to Joe, Harry, I think we should talk about tools, or I should say tool of the week. We have one tool of the week this week. And it's all yours, so take it away, Dave. As you know, um, when iOS 14 came out, I was really slow to get on board with widgets for whatever reason. But I wanted... Um, okay, so I was really slow to get on board with widgets, yet you know I love m me some Notion. So I wanted a quick way to get to just open up Notion and pop something in very quickly, like you would do with drafts. So I went back to widgets and I, found, I created an inbox page in Notion, and then I created a widget which just points right to that inbox page. So now I can open my phone, tap it, and jump right to inbox and type whatever I need to type. I know it's kind of a cheat as a tool of the week because we've talked about Notion before, and really this is just a widget that points to Notion. But hey, I'll take it. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's a that you know it doesn't have to be a, a huge you know product or or expensive thing. It could just be a a tip or or something. You know, like last week I had the the automators talk forum as our tool of the week. So mm -hmm. you know that sometimes that's all it, all it takes. So, it, you know, I always like to jot things down as quickly as possible. You all know I carry my little notebook with me. But sometimes I want to get it right into Notion. And uh, I've just been trying this for maybe, oh my gosh, less than a week. It might be four or five days into doing this. So give me a couple of weeks to see how I really like it. And maybe I'll talk about it again. But so far, I mean, it's a little slower than pulling out my notebook. But it also saves that step of me having to put it into Notion later. So we'll see. All right. That sounds good. It does. Anyway, uh, I think we should talk to uh, our guest for this week. I agree. Our guest this week is Joe Bulig. Uh, Joe Bulig is a, a, a productivity expert. Um, he has his own Twitch channel. Um, he is a, uh, I've been a guest on his show before um, talking about the, the work-life system that I developed. Um, you know, Joe, why, why don't you go into detail about all the amazing things you do? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. I don't know if I said this earlier, but you know, I've I've kind of followed homework on and off for for many many years, way back in the days of Aaron Mankey, even. So, wow, really really glad to be here. It's kind of cool to to be on this side of the homework podcast. So, thanks for having me. First off, yeah, thanks. It's uh, really nice to say. And then being such a you know, long time listener. Yeah. So some of some of my background all the things that i'm doing like many add people it's way too many things and yet i'm still trying to find new things to do which is never a good thing in my <laughs> in my shoes so yes i do like you mentioned i've got a twitch stream i do on mondays uh it's been a lot of like what's been going on in the tech industry like looking up some of the most popular articles that are out there but also a lot of uh, you know showing off my my bullet journal and note taking kind of paper systems that i have um, as part of that, I have some guests that join me for that as well. I run a site, analogjoe.com, which is more of that. It's like webinars and such for pen and paper enthusiasts. Um, obviously, I've been doing some podcasting. Uh, as we've kind of alluded to, I run the uh, Bookworm podcast, if you're familiar with that one, with Mike Schmitz. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are like all the side gigs. I, my day job is I'm a director of technology at our 
church. So I'm in charge of all the cords, cables, computers, networks, audio, video, live streaming, all the stuff at the church. So it keeps me very busy and I'm always doing way too much, of course. So yes, that's me. Yeah, Mike's a great guy. He's been uh, on the show as well. I'm interested in hearing a little more about Analog Joe. Uh, what can yeah. you tell me about that? Analog Joe is it's kind of a fun one. It's it's webinars that we do every other week. And sometimes I have guests on, like Harry was mm -hmm. one of those guests. And we try to talk about you know ways that our pen and paper analog tools can make it possible for us to be more effective on the digital systems. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is just that like it's it's very easy for us if we have a digital task manager, if we have all of our project management long-term work in a digital form, whether mm -hmm. it's Notion, like you were saying earlier, it's OmniFocus, it's you name it, things, Todoist, if it's any of these tools, we have a tendency to just kind of live on the computer all day long. Yeah. And Analog Joe is kind of a, like, it's a nickname that Mike and a bunch of folks at Bookworm have given me <laughs> over the years. <laughs> and it's because I'm always like trying to find ways and excuses to use my fancy fountain pens and stuff. So like, I, I've kind of adopted that name, but a lot of what we try to do with Analog Joe is just like, okay, how do I use pen and paper? to manage some of the task project idea ideation processes. Like how do we use pen and paper for that so that the computer becomes a tool to get a job done as opposed to a world to live in. If you, if you're with me on that. So like it's, it, it kind of helps me separate those two. Does that make sense? So yes, analog Joe is a lot of like-minded people around that, that are uh, trying to adopt that type of mentality. I think tool versus world absolutely makes a lot of sense. And I think, gosh, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it's so easy to, I never thought of it as a world versus a tool, but that's, that's absolutely accurate, isn't it? Because it becomes the thing you do for work, but also the thing you do for a lot of your leisure, whether it's talking to friends right. or watching movies. And there's almost, it could be a time where you're not in that world or for myself, if I, you know, take an honest look at my own behavior. I'm here for a, a a lot of the time and that might not necessarily be a good thing. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to spend a lot of time on, I mean, how many news articles and how many stats do we need to see about the detriments of being on screens too much? I mean, everybody comes up with their own stats on this, it seems like, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of, science out there around too much time on screens leads to name your favorite disorder, right? And <laughs> or this exacerbates is, or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they like to show us that and that's fine. And I don't know how much of that I want to buy into, but I right. know that I tend to think a lot more clearly if I think on paper and then process those thinkings on the computer. So like I try to come up with my, ideas and such on paper as much as I can. And then it's fine if it gets transferred to the computer, because then when it's on the computer and digitized, it becomes almost a form of communication. I'm creating something to release, you know, kind of like what we're doing now. Like we put together, you guys have this awesome outline that we can work through and things that I can use to prep, but I've got a piece of paper in front of me where I've kind of processed some of those thoughts. And now we're digitizing those by creating a digital file out of it. Right. So like this yeah. is that translation process. It's funny whenever we record the show and I'm doing it right now, you can maybe you can hear that. I have a little uh, note card uh, here at the desk in a pencil um, yeah. with me every single episode. So as you're talking or as Harry's talking or as I come with something I want to mention or I make sure I don't miss, I'll just jot it down really quickly on my little note card. And um, I, I've been doing this since the beginning of homework. Um, I, I really think that our minds are more for solving problems than storing information. Um, so I like to think um, I'm, that I'll use the digital as sort of, um, God, what's the word I want to say? Storing that information where I'll work it out on paper and then whatever I, the result of what I want to come with, um, I'll store it digitally. I hope that makes some semblance of sense. 
makes sense to me, but Good. I think about this and process this concept all the time. So, <laughs> well, um, I see recently you've become a user of Obsidian, a kind of linked notes tool. Um, so how are you using that and how does it fit into the rest of your note taking setup? I have no clue. So, and I say that very honestly. So yeah. Obsidian, uh, for those who don't know, is one of these Wikilink, interlinked, Zettelkasten type tools that's overtaking the market in note taking yeah. right now. Um, mm -hmm. Some competitors, you know, Notion is starting to do some of that. Drafts has some of the interlinking. Uh, NV Alt has had it for a long time, just in a slightly different way. And the new successor to Envy Alt, Envy Ultra, I've been on the beta for that a lot for a long time now. And it has a lot of that. Rome Research is a big one. So, like, it's one of those, right? And one of the things, because I know, like, when we think about how we manage information on the computer, I have a very strong bias towards what I've been starting to call uh, app agnostic. So okay. I don't want to I don't want to be tied to a very specific tool, right? That's a very driven thing that I'm I'm working towards. I guess it would be a goal if you want to use your goal theme here for that. So it's mm -hmm. it's something that I've been working towards and it's one of the reasons I really don't like Rome research and I really don't like some of these tools that don't let me get at the raw files behind mm -hmm. the tool. So when I have a tool like Obsidian because Obsidian just works on Markdown files, right? So I can get at those text files and open them in something else. A good example of that is that with Obsidian, I can open it, work with all of my files, and I can have that exact same directory or that vault or whatever you want to call it, folder of notes open in NVAlt or NVUltra at the same time and, and work on it in a different tool. That's what I refer to when I'm saying app agnostic, because I can move yeah. my data from tool to tool without having to go through a big, long migration process. So thus, Obsidian actually fits that mold quite well. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, there was a while, oh my gosh, several years ago, where I got, <laughs> I got on this bench where I was just going to use just plain text files, because I figured I can always read it. And five years from now, when technology looks like this, um, I'll still be able to open those files. Now, I may have been a little uh, hard-headed about that. Yeah. <laughs> but that was something I was doing a few years ago. I've, I've since stopped doing it because they just have this, you know, piles and piles of files and yes. folders and nested folders, and it became a jumbled mess quickly. But um, I, I was a little insistent about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I've kind of been down that path for maybe six years now i've been slowly working my way towards some things like i don't think i'm quite as far down that as what you're saying you used to be anyway mm, yeah but i i think that like for me if i can keep as much of my system built on these very basic plain file types mm -hmm. then the, i have noticed a couple things one my stress levels don't go as high whenever features and things are added or removed from yes. tools <laughs> like think about that what would happen let's take rome research rome cult is probably going to get mad at me for this so if rome research for whatever reason removed their block references like yeah in they're essentially it's links to a specific place within a note right so you can link them across if for whatever reason they removed that it would make so many people angry Right? right. Or or maybe a better example is when OmniFocus they changed from contexts to tags, right? Yeah. That was a huge shift. It's very, very minor as far as like naming and such. And you could still use tags in the way that people used to use contexts, mm -hmm. but it changed the whole mentality, right? When a, when a a system or a tool makes a change like that. And for whatever reason, that specific change completely alters your whole workflow. Mm -hmm. Now you've got to either explore how to do a workaround or you've got to look at different tools. And more often than not, it's a good excuse for us to explore new tools. And now we get the honors of migrating data. And then that tool makes a change. And guess what? We get to go on the merry-go-round and do it all over again. Like, I just get so tired of that. It's, it's yeah. stressful to me. So I get tired of jumping around Thus, the more time I spend with this sort of thing, like pen and paper, like 
I can do my task list on pen and paper. Guess what? I don't think the feature set on that pad of paper is going to change such that it alters how I use it. Yeah, like, that's been locked in for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't foresee that forcing my systems to change. And if I can use some of these raw, very basic foundational file types or tools that really don't change over time. I can spend more of my time focusing on what I put into it right. as opposed to how I put things into it. But yes. that, that of time and energy um, just on that right. step. Right. I want to talk a little more about tools before we hop into goals. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to mention uh, this week's sponsor. Uh, this episode of Homework is brought to you by Headspace. Uh, wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research so whatever the situation headspace really can help you feel better overwhelmed headspace has a three-minute sos meditation for you i've used that at work <laughs> need some help falling asleep headspace has wind down sessions for their members that they swear by and for parents headspace even has morning meditations you can do with the kids Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. One of the things I mentioned just a moment ago that I absolutely love about Headspace and genuinely do use every single night is their sleep stories. So it's a person who tells you a little story or describes an environment like a library or a bakery or um, a little town plaza. And he or she talks about what you're seeing and there's this little ambient sound. And I can't tell you how a single one of those stories end because I always fall asleep well before I get to that point. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule Anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier in Headspace. It's meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash homework. That's headspace.com slash homework for a free one-month trial to access Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go to headspace.com slash homework. Big thanks to Headspace for the continued support of the show. Now, Joe, a moment ago, we were talking about uh, tools, uh, analog tools and digital tools. What are some tools that you either used and got rid of or looked back and said, eh, not for me? Yeah, I think the first one that comes to mind is Evernote. I know there are Evernote fanatics out there, and I apologize. Mm -hmm. Like, I have, I have good <laughs> friends who are big Evernote fans. I'm one of the, I, I'm one of the people that tends to evangelize the leaving of, Evernote. <laughs> so yes. my apologies if that's you. Um, Evernote is one that I, it, and I shouldn't bash it so hard because Evernote's one of the tools that got me into productivity and and helped me kind of begin my my journey with these types of tools. Mm -hmm. But I, I I had Evernote come into my life, and I I I was one of those people that just threw everything into it. I think at one point I had like fifteen thousand notes in. Evernote, wow. or maybe it was larger than that. I don't remember. I convinced all my coworkers to use it. Uh, that was, gosh, when was that? It would have been 2010, 2011 or something like that. So it's been about 10 years, 10, 11 years ago uh, at this point that I started using Evernote very heavily. And then I I got into a spot where I was trying to, I'm trying to remember what it was I was trying to do. I was trying to, do something that Evernote didn't let me do. I think it was, oh, it was GTD. I got into getting things done mm -hmm. and I was trying to like manage tasks with it. And I was like, well, this doesn't work real well. What should I use? And at the time I was in the middle of transitioning companies. So, like, well, this is as good a time as any to try something else. So then I got into OmniFocus 
And that was about 2012, 2013 or so that I got into using OmniFocus with Evernote. And then I just realized I wasn't getting anything out of Evernote. So I just stopped using it uh, yeah. and, and didn't really use anything uh, for note taking for quite some time. Uh, and then started down the path of kind of into text files and such. So, but that was because of NVAlt. I discovered it uh, through. Do you remember the the show Mics on Mics? So, oh, I sure do. Absolutely. You remember that Michael Schechter and Mike Vardy did Mics on Mike on well, Mics on Mics. Very and, much, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that show, Schechter was all about NVAlt. I think mm -hmm. is is how that worked. And I was listening to that because they were kind of like showing me some of the productivity world. So I got into NVAlt, and I had been on that probably up until about a year and a half ago. And then I switched over to Envy Ultra somewhere in that time frame because I know Brett Terpstrick uh, somewhat. So he got me on the beta for Envy yep. Ultra. And then that's kind of been my thing up until here recently with Obsidian. Um, but I'm again, I'm still kind of on both of them right now. I'm not 100% on one or the other. I kind of float between the two at the moment. I know on um, your youtube channel you talk a lot obviously a lot about productivity um you're talking about alternatives to rome research recently um i watched your bullet journal video yesterday um by the way i, I also love me some bullet journals it's a good deal i'm, I'm a fan like terms and twisby pins makes me happy those like terms it, it, it was so funny because <laughs> i was watching the i love the the branded like terms yeah right in the beginning of your video i found myself going yes because I think <laughs> the index is the best part of uh, a bullet journal. The fact that I can flip there and immediately jump to whatever page I need to get to is so great. Plus, I don't have to try and guess, oh, how much room should I leave for this? Because it doesn't matter. And if I'm writing about project A, and then I want to doodle unicorns for five pages and pick up project a six pages later again it doesn't matter because i can put all of that in the the index I'm, as you can see i'm i'm a huge fan of the index so i, I see that when you said yes i'm gonna use the index i was like yes i agree <laughs> joe i agree <laughs> nice yeah i'm 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 pretty heavy in the bullet journal setup i do a lot of crazy stuff like i, I have a whole method for repeating tasks and habit tracking and making charts of my sleep patterns like i do a lot of that mm -hmm. in in that however i'm also a pretty big proponent of defining a bullet journal versus a journal for artwork mm -hmm. and oh, okay I, I really 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 don't like it whenever somebody has a piece of artwork and then they tag it with bullet journals like that is not the bullet journal that is you drawing flowers in your notebook yeah Stop that's it. a that is a very predominant practice. Yes, and I hate turn it. Turn your bullet journal into an art project. So true. So anyway, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad the whole bullet journal thing is resonates with you. But yeah, the index is gold. That's my my one of the most used pages, of course, in mine because it's easy to like you're saying, like you can just jump in anywhere. And then I can always find where I was. I even have my eight-year-old daughter just did uh, a webinar for Analog Joe where she showed us her bullet journal, which oh, is, that is excellent. really cool. It's like, you know, on her, you know, her daily list is make bed, take bath. <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean? Like the things that we just kind of do out of habit every single day, those are the things that are on her list. So I absolutely love it. I adore Establish those habits. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> well, we are talking about goals this month. So let's move the conversation over there. It's a new year and uh, thank goodness. And for many people, that means it's time to, you know, ID some goals, both large and small. So I want to ask, do you have any work or productivity related goals that you put in place around goal setting? Yeah. So when it comes to goal setting, like, that's a pretty nebulous thing to try to define, I think, because so mm -hmm. many people do that in different ways. Like some people have like their their word for the year and and they have a kind of a vague direction that they want to head into and then some people have like the smart goals right the measurable yeah. mm -hmm. realistic 
I don't know all the pieces of the acronym because I don't like doing them piece. So <laughs> like some people do that, right? Uh, and, and that is a definite positive for some folks. I had a pretty decent stint in the corporate world uh, working for the, one of the largest ag companies in the world and was working with the international side of that business, right? So a lot of what we did there was setting a series of goals by which you were going to be measured, which then dictated your ability to be promoted and getting bonuses and such. Like, mm -hmm. So you were very strategic in how you worded those goals, not because of whether or not you thought they would be good for the company, but whether or not you thought you could show that you hit them at the end of the year, yeah. whether yeah. you actually right. had or not. <laughs> that was the whole point, right? So. I think it's important to, and I bring all this up because in my own setup today, because I've had so many of those different backgrounds and they've kind of burnt me and I, I struggle with those when it comes to how I do goals, I keep them on very short term basis. Like it's common for folks to say, I've got an annual goal. I don't really do that because I feel like that's too long. I can't see the end of it. So I, I tend to forget it and move on to other things. So for me, I do a couple different things. I'll usually have some form of a theme that I do for the year. In 2021, I've I've kind of been going towards foundations is the term that I've been kind of working my way towards. And it's because I'm kind okay. of building kind of building like some some foundational things to streamline, I guess, some of my online work. Like we were talking earlier, I've got a lot of different things going on. So I'm trying to like build set structures to make a lot of my base content very repeatable so i have to have some very solid groundwork laid to be able to do that but it's going to take me some time to do that but at the same time you have to break that down to where it's more tactical and practical right so yes, yes foundations works but i need to have something that makes that more tangible so what i tend to do is kind of a mixture of what the sweet setup does if you know them and yep. mm -hmm. also base camp. So I kind of have some internal me personal setup around that where I work on about a six to eight week goal process. So I'll set what I want to do over the next month and a half to two months. And then I'll work towards that. And then when I'm getting close to the end of that, I'll set it for the next round. And a lot of times the way that I do that is just by I have a Rodia pad sitting here next to me with a Pilot G2 because, you know, what the tools are matters, right? So, <laughs> I, so I take my Rodia pad, my Pilot G2. The folks who follow me always get mad because I'm not using my fountain pens for this. But I'll usually just kind of like write out a handful of things that I think I would like to work towards over the next month and a half to two months. And then depending on how much I want to bite off I'll kind of set a, a good time frame for that and then start working towards it. But usually what I'm doing is I'm then taking that and writing it into a more formal document of sorts in some form of a text file, whether that's NVUltra or Obsidian, doesn't really matter to me. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes I've done that process live on stream. Like th oh. that's a lot of what I try to do is I, I'm more of a, let me show you what I'm doing right now. Like at one point I was building my content calendar for the next month. I did that live on stream. <laughs> like, okay. like, so I try to do some of that. Anyway, from a goal setting stance, I'll try to do a lot of that on paper, formalize it somewhat and put it onto the computer. And then that's kind of a thing that I'll, I'll keep in front of me uh, each day as I'm working towards that. So I, I don't really have a set you know, over the next six months, this is what I'm going to do. And here's right. how I write a goal. I don't really have anything formal like that. It's more of a, here's what I can see coming up in the short term. And that's what I'm going to work towards. That was a really long answer to that fairly short question. But no, I think, I think it's a, a, a great answer. Two things really stood out to me. I don't make, I tend to not make year long goals as well for the exact same reason that you mentioned. Um, Sometimes, I don't know, eight, eight months, eight weeks in, I know it's not going to happen. And I sort of disappoint myself. Like I don't make New Year's resolutions for that very reason. Um, and I also, when you talked about working through your systems live on stream, I, I really enjoy 
that because it's fun to hear, you know, someone talk about it like you and I are doing now, but to watch someone actually do their work in their process is I right. think, a very different thing than just talking about it. Yeah. A, a common one that I do. And I think, what does this work out to? So this will have released after I've done this, but as we're recording this, this next Monday will be the first of March, right? Well, yes. in the world of bullet journaling, that means we're doing our monthly migration at that day, right? So yes. we're setting up the next month. I'll put on a desk cam and we'll do it live on stream. It'll take me about an hour, hour and 15 to go through it. I have a number of folks who follow me uh, on Twitch that that's, they wait for that stream and then they get their bullet journal and they do it with me. And we'll have this chat back and forth about how we're doing it. What I've, I've always got notes about what I want to change for the next month. Like it, it ends up being a really cool back and forth. And I find that I refine my processes more so when other people see me working on them because like everyone else sees things that I didn't see like when I put the dates in wrong so like there's things like that that happen but it's it's interesting how you know people are willing to help in those scenarios so I I try to encourage folks like if you're going to build a system don't be afraid to do it in public it it does seem to help both the people who are watching you but it also helps me in this case as I'm doing it public as well kind of a yeah that's great well another thing i've experienced um i start to do i um do my weekly reviews live here in discord uh, oh sure morning and um i found that and there are people watching i won't cheat (laughs) i'll say to myself eh i'll remember this i don't have to down but i know there are people watching or listening or watching later it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do this properly and and yeah (laughs) it's the coffee shop effect right so right Pre-COVID, what did people who work from home do? We, a lot of times, would go to coffee shops or libraries and such. Like, we had these places that we would go. And do you ever notice how much more you get done when you do it? Like, people talk about that. I get way more done at the coffee shop than I do at home. What's the difference? Well, think about Mm -hmm. that. If I'm sitting in the coffee shop, I've got a cup of coffee next to me. My computer's open in front of me. There's a whole bunch of other people in the room. Guess what? They can see your screen so you're not going to goof off for two hours on YouTube because there's a whole bunch of people around you that can see that you're doing that. So you darn well better have your text editor open doing some writing because that's what you're supposed to be doing in the coffee shop, right? So <laughs> so right. It's, it's kind of that same effect. Right. That guy drove all the way out here just to look at Facebook? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so let's quickly wrap up uh, goals by, I just want to ask, do you have goals for your channel and memberships for this year? No, I don't. So... I, and I say that intentionally because mm-hmm. my my goals are more about what happens each day and each week. They're not okay. about the end game, right? I think this right. is the difference, right? Because it's easy to have a goal of, you know, the classic is losing weight, right? I want to lose 20 pounds by the end of the year. To me, that's setting yourself up for failure. What you're better off doing is what are the the actions and the things I can do day to day that will achieve that goal? And in my case, like I know that I want say, take Analog Joe, for example. So it's a membership site, right, where we do live webinars and there's potentially some more things we're talking about doing uh, in the upcoming months. But mm-hmm. with that, it's very easy for me to set a certain membership goal that I want to reach, right? Right. But it would make more sense for me to, instead of focusing on that, let's focus on making sure that the webinars that I put on are top notch, that I am well prepared and that I can prepare for those very quickly. So like, Mm -hmm. that's where some of that foundations piece comes in, right? So a lot of my time working on those is more about how do I build webinars in ways that people make people wonder, how did I do that? Like things like animating my camera to go down into the corner and then having rounded corners with a shadow behind it. Like there's some things like that that you can do that look really fancy. They're really quite simple, but it's impressive when you look at it. So it's like Mm -hmm. upping the production value. Things like that are what I want to focus on. And then just by proxy, I watch some of the other numbers start to grow. So Right. From a goal setting stance, it's more about the habits and routines that I'm putting into it more so than the end game. If that, yes. if you follow what I'm getting at there. Absolutely. I love focus on the habit instead of the goal. 
So if you focus on the habit, and like you said, you're making a terrific product, then something that might have been a goal, gain X number of followers, takes care of itself. It totally does. Yeah. I mean, this is this is kind of the Gary V way, right? You know, he's he's not so much focused on how many followers does he get. He's not focused on anything other than producing content and trying to help people. He seems a little arrogant when he does it at times, but that's ultimately his goal. Whether you like the way he does that or not, that's up to you. He's not for everybody, but that's the goal. Like he's going to do things every single day to try to help you. And mm -hmm. that's the habit and the routine that he's built. And by proxy, all the followers and the memberships and stuff come along for the ride. Yeah. Well, uh, the show is called Homework, Joe. So let's talk about working from home. Um, I was very prescient when we came up with the name four years ago because we did not know that literally everyone was going to be working from home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But here we are. So I just want to ask, what does working from home uh, look like for you? Yeah, so it's it's kind of off and on for me. I've had periods where I'm working from home all the time, 100%. Uh, and right now I'm kind of off and on because, uh, again, I'm director of technology at our church. So yeah. I'm the one running the live streams. I'm the one making sure people can stay at home. Like that's what my job is. So I still have to go to the office to do a fair amount of that, but I am still working from home quite a bit, even on top of that. Uh, and then of course I've got things like this where, you know, I'm doing kind of my side stuff and that's all done from, from home. Now, one of the things I've done in the past is I did do uh, I had a web development consulting company that I ran for a couple of years uh, and was the owner and operator of that. And that was 100% working from home. So I have a lot of experience in doing that. There's so many things that are super valuable for me. One is that the room that I use as an office has a door to it. So I can close that door and my wife and three daughters know that dad's working. So they do their best to let me be. And then I kind of have a dedicated desk area. And that is where I do all of my work. It's where I'm sitting right now. It's kind of intense because of all the video and streaming and stuff I do. So there's tons yeah. of computer screens and lights and stuff everywhere. Is, so is that the setup that. I see in your videos on YouTube? Yeah, so you're looking at the other side of it, right? So yes, yeah, there's, yeah. gosh, what do I have here? There's two lights in front of me, one behind me. I have a Linux box that sits over here with a monitor on it, plus my MacBook Pro, and then another 27-inch monitor. What else is on here? Mechanical keyboard. I've got a soundboard here. I use the microphone on a boom, a desk cam. My phone acts as another webcam. Like it's it's intense. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So it's a full production studio of sorts, just tucked in a corner. And this this is where I do like the bookworm podcasting and everything, right? So it's a dedicated zone. And because of that dedicated zone, whenever I sit down in my chair here, it it kind of shifts the brain, right? It's been that way yes. for so long that it's it, it becomes habit. This is where I'm going to sit. So then just by nature, my brain starts trying to either create things or solve problems or write code or edit videos or audio, it doesn't matter. Like my brain just kind of goes into that mode. And then thankfully I've done it long enough that whenever I get up from this and go back into the rest of the house, it's it's kind of like the commute time, right? You can kind of get yourself to do that transition to go back into home life and not home work life. So it can get that transition to complete, but I think it takes time. I mean, people talk about how they've they really want to be a remote worker, but it's a lot of work. It's not as simple and glorious as people think. I, I think in a lot of ways, it's a lot harder for me to do that mm -hmm. than it is to go to, say, a corporate office and do things. So, again, it's not for everyone. Yeah, it certainly can be. I love that. I mean, having a door that you can close is such a blessing when you work from home. Um, Harry and I have talked about you know, designating an area if you even if you don't have that. Sure. And um, you said that like your wife and kids understand another really big step that we always encourage people to do is just have that quick conversation with the other humans you live with. Look, when I'm 
in my office or when I'm in that chair at the kitchen table, um, I'm at work and just pretend right. I'm off at the office. And that quick conversation can be so beneficial um, to getting things done in a timely and prompt manner. And also, I love the prompt or the cue that you get from your environment to sort of put you in work mode. Um, that's why I, I, I always say, don't watch Netflix or play games yeah. at your work area right. because that's sending confusing messages. And like, you don't feel like going to the gym until you put your workout clothes on and suddenly you feel like going to the gym. And not only does that help you get into that mode, like you were talking about, but again, like you said, when you walk away, even though you're in the same building, um, you can feel like, oh, I'm walking away from work and now it's time to do whatever I do with my leisure time. Yeah. Two things, two things real quick is one, that communication piece. Like think, think about the things I just explained, the, the mm-hmm. Twitch streaming, the video recording I've done for like the YouTube videos, the webinars that I run, the podcasts that we record. That's a lot of recording, right? A lot of time with production yeah. creation. Those get messy especially when a camera is on because all of those are done with video. Everything I record really anymore is done with video. This one's actually a little weird for me because I don't have video of you guys. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not used to this anymore. So, so much of what I do is video, which means that I need to have that conversation with my wife and kids because sometimes they'll come into this room to pick something up quick from the other side. Now, granted, they're not on camera if they do that because of how it's set up, but mm-hmm it's still something they would need to be aware of. So I always tell them, it's like, okay, one o'clock today, I'm going to be recording. It's going to last about an hour, hour and a half. And then they know that that time frame is super important to either be quiet when you're around the door or to stay out of that room, right? Right. So that's that's kind of a big, big deal there. There was a second thought and I lost it, Dave. It may It may come back. We'll see. Oh, no, I got it. I got it. So the commute time, that we were talking about, like that transition period back. I actually have a friend when COVID and everything caused lockdowns and such at the very beginning, he started a habit and I thought this was brilliant because he used, he worked, you know, I'm, I'm, I live West of the twin cities, Minnesota, and he used to drive into the cities and back, uh, which was about a 40 minute commute for him. So he was used to that transition time to and from work. Right. When he started working from home, as a full-time remote worker, he lost that 40-minute transition and he found out he was very angry with kids and his wife whenever he got up from work, right? Because he right. wasn't used to not having that transition. So he did something brilliant. He, When he would get off work, he would go out to the garage, start his car, go drive around town and then park in the garage and then be home. He didn't go anywhere. He just drove the car around so that it felt like a commute time and he could get that transition. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that's great. He gets that same like decompression time. Great. That he was used to. That's yeah, that's super. I love it. So you, you've got so much going on um, between the day job and all the production that you do. How do you get work done while also making time for family and friends and leisure activities? Yeah, I have pretty strict lines around when things can be done. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously the day job takes priority. Um, it's a church hours are weird when, when it's that scenario. And what I usually do is, you know, there are some nights and weekends and stuff where things need to be done there. But at the same time, whenever I'm doing my other gigs and stuff, um, Mm -hmm. I will have those times predefined the week ahead with my wife will sometimes make sure that I'm done early on certain days or certain days they're going to be gone. So I'll go long. So there's, there's some lines that we set around those, but for me, it's pretty consistent from I'm working eight to four every day, mm-hmm. generally, whether that's on the day job or on the side jobs, doesn't really matter a whole lot to my family, but those are pretty hard lines that they can count on. Um, but again, I've done that for years because of working from home full time, I had to set some pretty hard lines. Otherwise, as you guys know, like it's easy to just be on all the time because all, if it's as easy as just walking over to the office area, wherever that zone is like, Oh, I just had an idea for a project that will go well for this particular client. 
what do you do? Like it's it's so easy to just walk over to the desk and start typing away, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. The most dangerous sentence in the world is I'm just gonna do this for a minute. Correct. That's that's the death knell right there. Like you're done. <laughs> you are so done when you do that. Right. You I'll see you in three to hours. Have, you totally do, you have to have some way of capturing that to use kind of the GTD terminology there, but you have to grab that stuff somehow mm-hmm. and then not work on it. So yes, I, I think that's important in this whole conversation. Capture is so important. In we keep talking about getting things done by David Allen. I I love it as well. He gives, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't remember exactly, but he gives an um, example of you tell yourself you're going to clean the basement. And so every day, every time you walk past the basement door, you feel guilty because you're not cleaning the basement. Like, so he says your brain doesn't have this sense of time. Um, I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do it on Saturday. Your brain simply knows I need to be cleaning the basement and I'm not cleaning the basement. So you feel badly about that. It's like if you make a lunch date with someone and they don't show up you sort of that person sort of let you down so your brain thinks every time you're not cleaning the basement you're letting yourself down you're standing yourself up at the restaurant for lunch so if you can get that into a system that you trust and even if that's just writing it down in a field notes which is what i'm going to which is what i do then your brain knows okay dave has got that in a place where we're going to see it later and it's okay. <laughs> I could sort of stop bugging him about it. So I love um, capturing that because it gives you that sense that, okay, I've got it. You know, I've got the, the lightning bug in the jar and I'm going to attend to it later. So now I can go off and do this other thing and not feel stressed about it. Yeah, that's gold. You know, I, I don't do field notes, but I do the HPDA, the hipster PDA thing from back oh, yes. in the day. You remember uh, that? Merlin Man, yes. Totally back in the day. I have done this since, oh, what did I decide? It was 2014 I started putting note cards in my back pocket. So the yeah. HPDA is just bi- a little binder clip with index cards. And I just keep them in my back pocket. I think it's been close to seven years that I've been doing that. Oh my and gosh, that is amazing. It's nuts. So yeah, you talk about note taking and, and stuff like almost all of my notes, my original ideas for goals, like all of that, it starts in one of two places. It's either the hipster PDA, the HPDA, or if it's something super, super short, a lot of times I'll grab it in drafts on my phone. But, you know, it's kind of 50-50 as to where those two land. But yeah, the note cards, that's that's a throwback in time at this point. That is excellent. Yes, I remember when Merlin came up with that and I thought it was just ingenious or it was hilarious at the time too though like yeah we all had our palm pilots and our advisor (laughs) hand springs and he was shoving some three by five index cards (laughs) i do have to ask how or when does it get difficult working from home all the projects um keeping track of everything yeah for me it's it's so I, I'm pretty strongly ADHD and have recently decided to medicate that, which helps significantly. But I, I have tendencies to want to take on new big projects. Yeah. Like that's that's a thing I'm drawn to. I don't know if that's maybe the ADD or just people who do the type of thing that I do. Don't know which that is. But I have that tendency. People tell me, hey, I got an idea for a new podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. And then I realize it's an extra six hours a week. And I'm like, I don't have that time. <sighs> so anyway, that part is very difficult for me. And like, I, I have to focus on the thing, like the, the, the avenues that I know work for me. So like, I know that doing things with video and doing production, like I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So that's, that's a thing that I, I want to focus on. So trying to keep me on those tasks are the hard parts. So Mm -hmm. I need to say no to big projects when they come along. That's a thing that's quite difficult for me to do. I've gotten a lot better uh, as I've gotten older, but that's taken time and experience. Uh, The second piece is just consistency. I find consistency with creating things on a regular basis that gets to be a bit of a challenge for me. So that's why, you know, we we're talking about foundations and goals and such. That's why I tend to focus more on things like production value and trying to make things more interesting or trying to wow people with that in some way. 
that's why I do that because those things are interesting to me and it's easy for me to focus on those. And if I focus on those and trying to make my next webinar have something that's unique that no one else does in their webinars, yeah, that's the part that makes me like, oh, well, I really want to write that webinar and try to get the stuff set up for on screen for that. That way people wonder how I put the words on the screen without using a slide. Like there's some things like that that I tried to incorporate to to keep me interested in it because again the consistency piece is very very difficult for me it's not new and shiny when i've been doing it for months and then it's hard to just kind of keep the grind going to use that yeah. term uh, mm -hmm. so that's always a challenge for me yeah i'm right there with you um i'm also on the add train great fun i got my diagnosis very late yes so um i also am very much uh, tantalized by the new project um, very much. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, you and I should not have this conversation later. That's what, no, well, that's because, what I'm hearing. <laughs> right. We're recording. We must stop talking immediately. <laughs> but yes, it's also very, very hard for me. And um, then you get that crazy hyper-focus. Is it ever like you suddenly yep. you're, you can't wait to do this thing and you'll spend six hours doing this thing, which is great, but... In, I find in my case, I've ignored all these other things right. because suddenly I have to, I don't know, have a stamp collection. And so I go crazy. About <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Welcome to my world. folks. <laughs> I just want to ask before we, uh, we start to wrap up here, do you have any best tips you would share with homeworkers or maybe a favorite productivity tool? Well, I'm, I'm of course drawn to the pen and paper world. Yeah. It's amazing to me. The one thing that I, I, I think is underrated when it comes to pen and paper, because a lot of times I have people like, oh, how do you manage your tasks and projects like pen and paper? And they're like, oh, really? That's boring. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of the air that I get from folks. But I mean, if you think about the lack of structure imposed on you mm -hmm. by pen and paper, I mean, think about that. I can have a single piece of paper and it could be my life mission. It could be a list of tasks for the day. It could be a drawing of a user interface for a website I'm thinking about. It could be a schematic for how I set up the sound system for an outdoor production. It could be a schematic for how to set up a Kubernetes cluster for servers. Like now we're going way technical. So like it could be any of those things and it's the same tool in the same hand right mm -hmm. so it's super super flexible and i think that's extremely underrated because when i like i love omnifocus omnifocus is it does all of my content uh calendar checklists and stuff it does all of that for me so i do still use a digital task manager for a very small specific purpose i love omnifocus have written and built automation tools for it for years now mm -hmm. and yet it locks me in right it's it's designed to have an outline type list of tasks associated with projects and then i can look at those projects but that's really about as far as it goes i can't put in a schematic for uh, a user interface i can't put in drawings that i've put in like yeah you can yeah. take pictures and attach them but it's just not the same like it's right. it's kind of clunky when you do that. And it doesn't matter what the tool is, it's always like that. So when you talk about my favorite tool and stuff, I you know, pen and paper for me is a big deal. Uh that's probably boring for some, but if you want to go here, here, I'll, I'll kind of you know feed you here. Some of the digital side of that mm -hmm. that that I use a lot of, I think drafts is still quite underrated. I think Harry, you're kind of big on drafts if i've remembered your your past here but yeah Love drafts that, yeah. is huge for me um what's the other uh that that we tend to forget oh hazel on oh, yeah, the hazel. mac that does all of the auto sorting and you can do things on files and stuff and move them around like that is just gold like it just does so much for me so between those like the pen and paper drafts hazel like you can do so much so 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 much with those yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the lack of structure. Sometimes I feel if I'm using a digital note-taking solution, you're almost beholden to the structure that the developer had in mind. Right. 
Whereas with, you know, my little note cards, that simply doesn't exist. I could do whatever I want. I remember reading a story. I wish I could remember the author that they were referring to, but there was an author who he was writing at the time period when typewriters were first coming out. Hmm. And he wrote uh, kind of an exposition about how the different tool changed what he wrote. And, oh, that's and interesting. I wish I could remember where that was and could hunt that down. I'll try to see if I can find it. But he 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 talked about this. Like he used to, you know, authors used to only be able to write with pen and paper. That was the only way that they could mm-hmm. write. And then the typewriter, of course, changed that. Obviously, I would say that's for the better. But he still lamented that he wrote differently when it was on the typewriter than what he did with a pen in his hand. And I think, you know, when you have a digital task manager or you have a digital note taking system, just because of the tool that you're using, I think it can change what you do in that tool. I mean, look at how Rome research has changed the way that people want to think about note taking, right? right? Like it's kind of kicked off this uh, avalanche of changes in this revolution in note taking tools. I think that's, kind of something similar like it changes what you do depending on the tool that you use i just still think that i think more clearly and more fully when i just have a pen and paper in my hand yeah yeah Jack. and i i can recall something better if i've written it down as right. well right uh over in the discord chat jackie says the medium is the method are you quoting marshall mc that is the title of the book and i have that book and i'm looking right at it ah, marshall thanks, McLuhan thanks. wrote it it's a it's a solid but marshall McLuhan, like this this is a very similar thing right so we're talking about digital tools and how changing like the tool that you're using for writing can change what you write mm-hmm. marshall McLuhan was talking about how the introduction of the television changed the way that we received the message that was being communicated, like digital media that the beginnings of that type of media changed the message that was being shared. That's kind of his think kind of a philosopher of sorts, but that's interesting. Harry, uh, this is an aside. Harry and I have been thinking about doing um, like a bookshelf type of thing for Patreon patrons. And maybe we'll have to add that to the list. There you go. It's an interesting book, that's for sure. That sounds, yeah. I well, let's, I'm, I'm <laughs> right now. So, uh, Joe, I don't want. I know I've taken so much of your time. I don't want to take much more. So, as we're wrapping up here, I just want to ask, uh, where can people find you and all of your work online? Yeah, the easiest places, JoeBulig.com. Mm-hmm. That's B-U-H-L-I-G is my last name. JoeBulig.com. Pretty much everything I do can be found via that. Um, if you're interested in some of like the analog type tools that I'm talking about, two places I would send you. The first of which, of course, is analogjoe.com, which Harry has been uh, a part of. Uh, actually, Harry's session is free on the site. So if you go there, analogjoe.com, you'll see a link for videos and you can find Harry's session there. Um, but the other is, if you just want to catch me on one of the Twitch streams and just ask questions, see what it is I'm up to, uh, and, and see the sort of thing that I do. You can catch me there. I do some free webinars uh, on official webinar software and stuff once in a while. But the easy way to get to the, the Twitch streams and stuff is just jobulig.live and it'll take you where you need to be. That's the easy way to do it. All right. I am definitely going to check that out because I've been enjoying your YouTube video. So I would like to hang out with uh, with, you, with the gang. There you go. Love to have you. Something live over on Twitch. That would be super. Um, thanks so much for coming. I think we had a, a great conversation. I really had fun. Uh, it was great to finally meet you and be able to chat on the show. And um, I hope you had fun as well. Yeah, it was super fun. Glad I could finally, you know, be on this side of the homework podcast. It's kind of cool. So thanks for having me. You are quite welcome anytime. To all of you out there, let me say thanks for listening. Now, if you enjoy the work we do and you'd like to show your support, consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash homework podcast each week you'll find bonus content like fun episodes and interviews worksheets and you'll be able to listen as we record the show live every thursday night we'd like to thank this week's uh, level two patrons chris allen jones and jackie hollywood brown who was with us tonight during the recording you can also hang out with us over on discord and chat with like-minded homeworkers ask questions and exchange tips and tricks 
you'll find the link to that in this episode's show notes, which will be found at 5by5.tv slash homework slash 266. You can find out more about us at our Linktree accounts. Harry's is linktr.ee slash hcmarks. And I am over at slash Dave Kalo. And hey, speaking of analog tools, if you like yourself some pen and pencil, pen and paper role-playing games, especially Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, hop on over to tabletophero.net. It is your library for adventures, encounters, and monsters for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, all written by me, including D&D Kids Club Online, which is currently registering. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. And until then, go get some work done.